You're listening to Scaling Up Services, where we speak with entrepreneurs, authors, business experts, and thought leaders to give you the knowledge and insights you need to scale your service-based business faster and easier. And now, here is your host, business coach, Bruce Eckfeld. Welcome, everyone. This is Scaling Up Services. I'm Bruce Eckfeld, and I'm your host. Today, I'm here with Jeff Wibben. Jeff, welcome to the program. Thank you, Bruce. Thanks for having me on. Really excited to be here. Yeah, well, I'm excited to have you. So I'm going to have your kind of full bio and the show notes and stuff. But real quick for the folks that are listening in, Jeff is a golf professional. He's a a PGA golf pro, and he's co-founder of Golf Pro Delivered. And we're going to talk a little bit about what that is and how that came about. Uh, And I really, this is a fascinating conversation for me because it really is kind of goes to the core of scaling up services, which is about how do we innovate and how do we build and grow businesses that are fundamentally have this sort of service component. And I think Jeff's story is is really, really fascinating. And he's in the middle of it. He's, uh, this is a fairly recent venture, but he's made some great strides. So Jeff, why don't we start with just having you give people a sense of kind of your background and how you kind of came up with idea, why it came about, and then we can talk a little bit about some of the nuts and bolts of the business and, and what you're working on. Yeah, sounds great, Bruce. So taking things back probably just about 10 years ago, you know, putting myself back into high school times, I was actually a baseball player going into high school. I was not a golfer by any means. And uh, an injury pitching actually led me getting into golf because my doctor said, hey, it's surgery or golf. I recommend golf. And so I actually fell into golf by accident, ended up loving it, competed in, in states in high school, and then went on to uh, go to college down at Coastal Carolina, D1 golf school, where I, I got my PJ certification and uh, ended up started to work in the golf industry, made my way out to Pebble Beach in California, spent two and a half years out there as a pro and uh, basically just loved every minute of it. And so... I've been kind of like the ultimate golf experiment where yeah. I wasn't a golfer. I didn't grow up, you know, a country club kid. And there's nothing wrong with that if you did. But, you know, I was accidental golf yeah. and it totally transformed my life. I mean, some of my best life experiences are on a golf course with my family, with friends, making new relationships and business. And so basically, after all that, I ended up back home in New York and I was working at a private club teaching. And after my first year at this club, me and another guy, after being really inspired by a guy named Grant Cardone and his 10x rule, which I know you know, right, Bruce? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know Cardone, right? And uh, maybe he'll be on this podcast. Maybe. Next, but uh, yeah, but um, yeah. So basically, he he inspired us to think 10x, and uh, we were always trying to you know make our mark yeah. on golf and see what can we do to grow the game. And as PGA professionals, that's why we do what we do. We're trying to grow the game and get more people into it. So. Basically, one day after reading that book, my business partner, Nick, and I got together and we said, there's got to be something more. What, what are we missing here? And the first giant problem that jumped out at us, and I, I guess that's how it started. You, you identify a yeah. problem. We said, golf is amazing, but so many people don't play. And we started saying, why? What the heck is, why is there this huge wall? Because we've been in golf for the last 10 years. We, we don't even remember why we couldn't get into it. And so we started looking around, asking friends and family and, and colleagues and seeing business people we knew. Oh, sorry, yeah, I, I would play golf. I don't have the time. Or honestly, it's, it's a little t- intimidating to go down there. Or it's just, it's hard. I'm not good at golf. I can't play. I got kids at home. So after hearing that hundreds of times, we said, well, what if we could bring the golf course to that person? And they could actually play golf in their backyard. All they got to do is push a button on their phone. Golf course gets delivered to their house. 
And a PGA professional could come with that and teach them how to play in less time in a convenient spot that's not intimidating. And then by the time they get invited out by a business professional, a colleague, or friend, they're ready to go and they don't even see that coming. So we wanted to basically just give people that initial spark with one-on-one -on -one golf lessons. We almost called our company Home Pro until we uh, figured yeah. out that that was like home painting and home refurbishing. And we couldn't put you in the wrong category, wrong service yeah. category. So we realized early that that would have been a mistake. And especially looking back now, you know, sometimes, you know, you think you know exactly where your business is going. And almost every week we, we have to, uh, pivot and adjust and, and continue to evolve. Yeah. To, uh, and I like, I like this, the kind of the, the origin story here, because for me, it, it's one of um, kind of the key factors of strategy. And it's something that, you know, I do a lot of work with, with companies, uh, something we, we would call out of the kind of gazelle scaling up environment we call X factor, which is figuring out what is, what is the, the one thing and the one big reason that kind of hinders or defines the industry or resistance inside the industry, inside the market, inside the product or service, and figuring out how do I kind of turn it on its head. And I think this whole idea of identifying the big challenge, which is it's hard to get to the golf course, logistic, kind of a logistic intimidation, both emotional and practical kind of logistics of, of getting into the game of golf and actually taking the golf course to the home is a really interesting big idea. And I find that it's, you know, companies that can identify that that X factor inside their market can build really kind of innovative and, and even revolutionary kind of businesses within it. So so I love Definitely. this idea that 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 kind of was the initial spark on this. And certainly the, the you know, Grant Grant is uh, is quite the motivator um, and he gets people to think big. So it's, it's fun to hear someone that, that kind of used that as fuel. Um, yeah. And I think and not uncommon to most companies that I see kind of doing this. There's this initial big idea and you kind of go into uh, this new business model, this new market model. Uh, but then you start to learn and you start to see, oh, OK, so, yeah, great idea. But there's some details and there may be some things that you didn't realize when you first thought of it as you start to do it. Tell us a little bit about some of the learnings that you had once you started kind of bringing this idea to market. What were some of the epiphanies, what some of the things that came up that you had to kind of grapple with? Oh, yeah, that's a great question. I would say the number one thing that jumps out right away, and I think this is probably the most important thing for any new business is making the mistake that thinking you need to make your product or service perfect before you ever even think about customers and before you think about sales. And so basically what we did is we, we spent the first eight months of our, of our business planning perfect, or at least thinking what we were doing was perfecting our product and our service before ever calling a single customer and seeing if they would be interested in, or, you know, trying to get sales beforehand, you know? So we, you look at a company like Tesla, who is selling all this stuff before they even have a product. Like now, if I could go back again, I would have, I would much rather do something along those lines. And uh, so I think that would be number one. And I would say as we've transitioned through the initial stages of, oh, my gosh, it takes marketing, it takes business you know, development. You need a team around you. An idea doesn't sell you and your team and your strategy sells. Yeah. So after realizing that that doesn't just magically fall from the tree, um, I, I would say at this point, too, the really interesting thing is that, you know, young companies, especially like mine, you're so sales driven, you're so focused on on making sure there's revenue coming in. And um, a lot of times you can work so much in your business and do so many of the little tasks and the 
you know, all the things that make everything perfect and you, you stop looking at the thing as a whole. So if you remember back, we actually did a workshop together and I remember going through some of the strategy and the planning and I'm looking through and I'm like, this, some of this stuff isn't, isn't like so revolutionary. I couldn't have thought of it, but I was like, we haven't even done this. We haven't even, we've had meetings and we haven't even looked at some of these strategies and it just, the light bulbs go off. So I would say if you could, if we could one, start with sales and then try to figure out more of the rest. And then two, somehow schedule like a, a monthly pivot meeting or something where you can just spend one or two days stepping back, not working, you know, not feeling like you got to make a hundred calls a day. Just give yourself one day and just plan with your partners and go through an analysis sheet. You know, like I said before, get, get a team, get mentors, find someone like you, for example, and just really go through those things. And it, I would say, those two are the number one things that were challenging and are still challenging. Yeah, I think, honestly, this is something that comes up with just about every business, particularly in an earlier stage when you're trying to develop you know, new products and address new markets and really kind of get traction with a particular product or service. The, the idea of customer development, one of the principles I love to say is, is your unknown unknowns are always going to be more decisive than your known unknowns, right? So, so the things that you know right now are going to be challenges with your customers are not actually going to be the things that define your product and service. It's the things you have not discovered yet. And so, so getting into market, trying to sell, having people use the product or service, you know, whether it's uh, in a just kind of a pre-sale kind of environment or in a prototype environment, Anything you can do to get feedback and interaction with customers is going to start uncovering those things because it's the things you have not uncovered that are really going to be the deciding factor, not the things that you kind of know are the challenges. And, and I think to your point, I think people end up spending too much time kind of navel gazing on the, on the problems they have in front of them because they want to solve problems. And so they see a problem, they want to solve it rather than actually going out and trying to find new problems that might actually be much more decisive. So I think it's a really great example of that. And then the, that whole idea of kind of stepping back for me is this kind of reflection, retrospecting process. I mean, honestly, I, I tend to suggest, you know, once a week, <laughs> you, have, you have a little yeah. bit of a, you know, plan the work, do the work at the end of the week, take a step back. Okay, what do we learn? What's working? What's not working? What might we want to change? What might we have learned that we don't really appreciate that we need to kind of formalize or really bake into what we're doing so that we don't forget? I think oftentimes it's not only that you don't realize the problem or you don't come up with new things, but you don't actually see some of the progress you have made and the importance of that and actually kind of stacking that into knowledge as you as you go. So a really, really yeah, great, really great observations. I think it's great that you're, you're kind of demonstrating that and the work that you've done. Um, so, so learning kind of how this product development stuff goes. So I think maybe one thing to kind of describe to, to custom, our um, audience here is that your customers, that the, the whole notion of customer has really kind of developed and shifted for you over time. Um, so talk to us a little bit about who you defined as sort of your customer out of the gate and then how how have kind of your iterations played with that? How have you kind of defined that, you know, focused it, refocused it, shifted it over time and, and continue to, I'm assuming? Yeah, that's a really good question. It kind of ties into what you were just talking about, about feedback and from the customers and getting that kind of information and tracking it and then and then going in again. So when we first started out, the whole point of we actually and I, I should have mentioned this before, we invented a portable golf simulator. That's that's really the core of what we do. We thought that our customer was going to be a new golfer who wanted to get into golf in their backyard. And that was that's all that we knew of a customer. We're, we're like, yep, we'll bring PGA pros to your backyard 
very simple, boom, that's it. And very, very quickly, uh, we realized a couple of things. One, the economics of that are very limited. Um, two, our mission and our vision was to, to basically reach the world with golf, right? And if you're trying to do that one at a time, <laughs> it's going to take you, we don't have enough There's life no process. Process. Yeah. Right. So, so it was just our very simple concept and our very simple thinking. And then we didn't even think about how our, our product would apply for events until we started to get inquiries. So talking about listening to your customer, we had people say, hey, well, you know, we do, we do team building activities. We do yeah. client sales department meetings. And we're always looking for an icebreaker and a way to help people facilitate these relationships. And so we said, oh, well, maybe our customer isn't just the person looking for instruction, but it's an event entertainment service where we can help facilitate and basically bottle up that golf experience where someone's taking a client out golfing, bringing that to the customer and then having 100 people enjoy it at the same time. And so it's it's taken us just about a year and a half to figure that out entirely. We're still figuring it out because... We sell the product, we do events, we do golf clinics, uh, we do private parties and we do corporate. And um, you know, it's, it's, a, it's very interesting because every company is very different and their alignment with what they're trying to do is very different with their needs. So we're always looking to get feedback with that, whether it's the team building or whether it's, hey, I, I really want to you know, impress this client, I want that to go well, or it's, hey, we just, we just want everyone to have a good time. Don't, don't push anything, just enjoy it. And so, Continually getting that is something we we know is very important now and expanding on that. And uh, we didn't do that very well early on. We didn't get good feedback. And uh, that definitely delayed our progress. And looking back, uh, that would be another another uh, huge learning. <laughs> well, Let's early early more. stage early stage companies are kind of the story of looking back. So, yeah. Uh, you know, I totally do you ever invent a reset button, Bruce? <laughs> Let me know. You know, I think, I think the only, as, as much as I can't go back in time, I think the one thing that, I really try to focus on working with folks is it's trying to accelerate that learning that learning cycle and accelerating the learning time frame because I think you know you're hitting it right on the you know right on the head of the nail here which is you know you're it's only through experimentation interacting selling working with customers providing products and services that you actually get that feedback and you get that learning you can't you know you can't sit in the laboratory and and pre-know these things and experiment to get to these things, you actually have to interact with people. So the more you interact and the faster you interact, you're going to increase that learning cycle. And, and the more that you actually take those interactions and think of them as learning experiences and pull from them the learning, because sometimes it takes a while, you'll have you know four or five interactions before finally it's kind of hitting you on the head that, oh, wait, maybe there's something, maybe there's a different way of doing this. And you can right. figure that out after the second one <laughs> rather than the fifth one, you're going to increase right. your, you know, increase your learning cycle. So, so I think, and, and I think it's probably one of the most important things for an early stage company to do is to figure out those possible customers, those possible products and services you're going to give them and, and pivoting in the right way. We always say that it's, you want to change one, but not both. So if I have a product or service, who else can I sell it to? Or if I have a customer, what else can I sell them? And doing those pivots is going to what is going to allow you to get to a successful, profitable, scalable product service faster. So yeah, um, yeah, good. Oh, sorry, I was going to say I, I love what you just said because it's so important. And I think the way that we realize what you just said of how to pivot and find the customer at this point isn't. Originally, we thought that it was who's going to like our product the most. And when you're a service company. That gets attraction, but it doesn't get dollars. People will say, I like you, but uh, no. So, so what we found out was that your customer is who you give the most value to, not who likes you the most. 
And originally, our, our mentors and advisors said that every not everyone is your customer. And originally, we said, sure, everybody is. We, everybody <laughs> I mean, we're gonna, we want to build a huge business. We yeah, want to serve everyone. Yeah, of course. I, I won't turn anybody away. Yeah. But we weren't really understanding what they meant entirely. And we were trying to be everything to everybody. And just kind of like diving in and getting lost in the shuffle and not really focusing in on the value. And so now what we're doing is we're focusing in on the customers that we provide the most value to. We're trying to double down on that. And then uh, the customers that are on the outer rim, we're going to continue to engage them, build a community with them, but not try to sell them our most premier stuff. We're going to have supplementary things um, that provide more value for them. So I like that. The kind of irony of the whole thing is that the, the faster you want to grow and the more you want to scale, the more you actually need to focus. So the fewer people you need to serve with fewer products and services, because if you can really zero in on that niche and you can zero in on that product service mix, it actually makes it easier. It makes it easier to sell, easier to market, easier to service, easier to bill, easier to price. Right. So all these things actually become simpler and, and more scalable, you know, I can I can go out and find more customers easier. I can hire people and train them faster if I've actually reduced the service and the and the focus rather than trying to serve everyone because now I've, I've, I'm too general. So yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm not surprised that you're kind of learning these things. Uh, and I think mm-hmm. it's great that you're doing it. I actually wanted to go into the product development side a little bit because I think this is a, one sure. of the key things for service-based companies, which is one of the dirty little secrets of scaling service companies is you actually want to make them look like product companies. <laughs> the more you can make it look like a packaged service, a package, oh, that's um, you know, a package, the easier it is to sell and price and all these things. And you're going to be more focused on value-based pricing than cost-based pricing because you're more about the value it's going to deliver rather than the amount of time and energy you have to put into it. In that's your case, so you actually have you actually have some real IP, some intellectual property around around this stuff. How did you go about Originally, kind of deciding what IP you wanted to develop because I know there's there's a you know there's a golf simulator market out there. How did you kind of approach that whole kind of product development side and and which piece of the tech or which what type of IP you want to develop and how did you develop it and what have you learned about that process? Yeah, great. There's so much good stuff in there. I'll start with uh, you know just how I guess we started this and we were searching for the perfect combination of solution with with mobile golf simulators. So. There's plenty of golf simulators out there. We're not, we weren't trying to reinvent the wheel, so to speak, in terms of how those work. We wanted to keep those working exactly as they worked. But the golf simulators that they have, first of all, they can't get wet. They can't be outdoors. They'll basically break down and you'll lose $60,000 real quick. Yeah. So we said, shoot, well, how can we find a way to make it waterproof? So we were looking into some of that kind of stuff and outdoor proof. And then we're like, wait, shoot, it's still really heavy and it's not really mobile. How do we move this thing around? We said, well, what's light, what's movable, what's what's small and what could possibly, you know, expand or whatnot. And so yeah. eventually we figured, hey, an inflatable. We're like, there's no way. Like, <laughs> how could we make an inflatable? And so basically all the check marks work. We had waterproof, we had small, we had lightweight, we had quick setup. And so we're like, we can really do this thing. So we searched for manufacturers in the U.S. who had the highest quality and we found one in dallas called all-star inflatables and they actually make inflatables for the nfl so they have 400 pound linemen who run in cleats on their inflatable hills because in in uh in the places like like the dallas cowboys they don't have hills in dallas so they run up these hills and they're and they last 10 years so we're like okay durability this is the number one company great customer service we're going with them we found them 
And then from there, we said, well, it's still one of the most low-tech type of things possible. So we said, how do we take an inflatable and make it so it can fully function with all these high-tech electronics, protect them, work very seamlessly, and not look like a a hunk of junk thrown together and all this stuff. So (laughs) kid's play party. (laughs) Yeah. So the first one, accordingly, uh, we nicknamed Frankenstein. And it was basically just all these things chopped up, put together. And from there, we went and refined. And we found out a way to make, you know, the electronics built in. So now when you when you inflate it, all you do is plug your thing into the wall. And it's waterproof. And it has the built-in screen. And, um, you know, it's got the logos already on it and stuff like that. And so we were saying, shoot, well, we could we could probably get this thing going. So we, we found a, you know, we had a recommendation for a patent attorney and we said, what if we could really get a, you know, a, a utility patent on basically turning a, a balloon more or less into a fully functioning golf studio simulator. So that's how we, we really started to begin. And we've probably made about 60 changes to it since we started. And we're, we're constantly making changes. And um, so far we're, we've been patent pending for, about a year and a half. So we're getting pretty close and things are looking really good. So it's really exciting. Yeah. So that's, I like, and I like that, um, you know, kind of figuring out what, what are the pieces, I guess, what are the product efficiencies that you kind of see in the current setup? And then how do I go out and find related, you know, solutions that are out there in the market, maybe in different markets and bring them in to solve your problem rather than figuring out how do I kind of build from scratch or, you know, kind of sit there and kind of in my own head figuring out, but actually borrow technology from other folks. And then, and then really your innovation is about kind of the integration and the application of these things into a new combination. Um, And I like the idea of continually kind of uh, iterating on it, obviously that product development so much is about figuring out, you know, every time you use it, you kind of sit down and say, okay, well, what, what didn't work? It's like, oh, well, that valve, you know, kept coming undone. We need to kind of change the way that thing works. It's like, well, it'd be great if we didn't have to like tape the screen up every time. Can we just build it right into the thing? You know, just having those little ideas right. of how do we make it easier? How do we build in quality? How do we reduce, you know, risks and errors and, and uh, defects and stuff as we go? Yeah. Cool. And it's interesting you say that. And I'll add one more yeah. thing. So I think it's really important to have like a, a super crazy vision for what you want out of your product because. And we have some stuff that I'll have to be a little secretive about where we're going with this product. Uh, but we have, we're working on some really cool things that are about two years out as far as where we can go with the technology, which would be more of ours. So we can build off that initial platform. But it's interesting because I feel like if you have a goal in mind of, of what your crazy vision for your product or service is, you will meet people along the way who will give you ideas that otherwise, if you weren't forward thinking, you're going to miss out. I mean, I'll give you one example. Yeah, um, right. Because it, it's in our it's in our latest design. So we do we do all around all year round golf. So in the winter time in New York, where we are, you know, you might get three feet of snow, and it's just brutally cold and whatnot. So our newest model, uh, and this is on our patent as well, it has actually room for a removable eight inch thermal tubing, which is built into the wall, which can connect to, uh, to heaters. And then we have really easily accessible um, climate control doors. So you can seal everything off and um, basically have a mobile heated, you know, golf sauna, yeah. right? Where, wherever you want to. So, but the reason why we got inspired to do that was because we were actually at, this is actually at the growth con and we met a guy who he does thermal heating and installs, right? But, and we knew that was the direction we wanted to go eventually. Without that, 
you know, who knows? We might have just said, hey, thanks, but we're good. Like our houses are good. Well, it's, and it's, it's, good. it's kind of this power of the manifestation of these ideas. And I think and it's, and it's really important for a team to sit down and think big and think long term. And I mean, I, the psychology of it is you have a part of your brain called the reticular activation system. And it's and it and it looks for patterns. Right. But it only works if you give it a pattern to search for. So that long term right. planning, the big idea thinking is, is really about identifying the patterns that you want to be searching for out in the market, out, out in the world, so that when you're, when you're networking, when you are interacting with folks, when you're at dinner, sometimes it's the, the, the point you least expect it to happen, that pattern hits and you see this, oh, wow, you know, we were just talking about that idea of, you know, how do we create, you know, thermal conductive, you know, plastic, and then you're at dinner and someone's mentioning, you know, the research that they're doing. So, and it only works. It only works if you feed that part of your brain with those patterns. And that only comes about with long-term planning. So I think it's, it's great that you, you take that time or you actually engage in that kind of thinking to figure out that, where do you want to be? What are the big ideas? Because they will happen faster and Probably when you least expect it. <laughs> that's, doing that. that's that's so true. Do we have time? Can I comment on that? Yeah, real go ahead. quick. Yeah. Well, I think what you just said is, is extremely important for anyone who's in any stage of business because I can't tell you the amount of situations and places we've been to and gone to where if we went in with the the mindset, I know you mentioned manifesting, but if, you know we we went in with the mindset of hey, we don't know what this is on paper. It doesn't look impressive, but this could be the best day of our lives. This could be incredible. We might meet somebody and it happens, you know, when that mindset is in place. And when it's not, you do see the opposite. You do get exactly what you're thinking, you know? So I, I agree with you hundred percent on that. I think you're, that's like a golden nugget. Yeah. If everybody could just have, you know, yeah. that would be incredible. Yeah. And it's, and it's, and the fact is you make a process out of it. I mean that, you know, that's, that's a lot of what the envisioning process is, is, is actually doing that and planting those seeds. So it's, it's not, it's not woo woo magic, right? It is actually, you know, a, a, <laughs> right. a process. It's, you very can it's very, yeah, it's very yeah. sort of scientific. So, um, Absolutely. and we're, we're going to hit time here in a little bit, but I wanted to give people a chance to kind of, uh, you know, if they have more questions, if they'd like to contact you, learn more about what you guys are doing with the simulators and stuff, what's the best way to get a hold of you? How can they find out more information? Yeah, well, uh, our website's real easy. You could just go to golfgpd.com and you can contact us through the site anytime. Or uh, if you ever want to reach me directly, uh, my email is just jeff at golfgpd.com. So we actually have a, uh, a free open forum for golf advice 24-7 on our social media platform. So for any social media buffs out there, at golfgpd. Uh, you can post anytime. You can say, hey, I, I got this wicked slice. Post a video and our pros will actually help you online. Or, um, you know, you could say, you know, trying to get Bruce out to the golf course somewhere. Let's say he's got 500 bucks and he's looking for new clubs, but he doesn't want to go to a place he doesn't trust. Yeah. Post it online. Say, hey, I got a $500 budget. GPD pros, what do I do? And then we're there for you. So either through the website email or jump on our social anytime. I love it. I can see I can see your BHAG being reduce the average handicap in the world by five strokes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We could do that. I honestly, let's, let's go bigger. Let's go. Let's go ten. Let's go fifteen. We'll start with you, Bruce. Let's scratch golfer. Exactly. Let's do that, it. That's it. I've, I've set my goal for. Uh, what is your for the year? Right now. I don't even know right now. It's been so long. Time, <laughs> You've been working that much. Yeah. We'll figure it out. We'll figure it yeah, out. Yeah. Let's let's get you down to like a four. Let's, awesome. Let's do it. All right. There we go. Yeah. You heard it here, folks. We'll report in. I'll pop, I'll post my handicap as I go. See what we can get down to. <laughs> All right, Jeff, this has been excellent. Thank you so much for the time. Thanks for having me, Bruce. This was great. 
You've been listening to Scaling Up Services with business coach Bruce Eckfeldt. To find a full list of podcast episodes, download the tools and worksheets, and access other great content, visit the website at scalingupservices.com. And don't forget to sign up for the free newsletter at scalingupservices.com slash newsletter. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.